You're about to listen to a true story told live because this is True Stories Live. Brought to you by LJ Hope Productions, Norwich Arts Centre and me, Molly Naylor. A long time ago, back in the 80s, there was a housing shortage. I mean, can you imagine that now? You really can't, can you? Um, and a lot of people, like myself, thought that the houses was, that were sitting empty shouldn't be sitting empty. So we used to squat them. And I was a squatter. I'd like to say I was a teenage squatter, but I wasn't in my teens. I was, I was a grown man. I was in mid-twenties. And I lived in a road in Islington, London, called Arvon Road. And I found out about this house being empty because I met a Hungarian lady whose first name was Reka. I kid you not, it's a perfectly respectable Hungarian name. Um, And it's spelled R-E-K-A, but it's pronounced Reka. So immediately you can think, maybe something... You know, violence going to happen at some point in the story? You've no idea. Anyway, we found this property. Uh, we weren't, we didn't know each other, but we were put in touch with each other by the St. Paul's uh, Squatter Advisory Service in Islington. And um, so we moved into this house. We got the electricity working. We cleaned the place out. Rekka was an imposing figure. She was a life model. She was built like an Amazon, is a polite way of saying it. She was tall. She was broad in the shoulders. She often wore Hungarian dress, full Hungarian dress. I can only ask you to Google that when you get home, because I can't really... It involves a kind of pinafore thing with straps and lots of petticoats and things. Anyway, it soon became obvious that her idea of living communally was different from my idea of living communally. Um, I really didn't want to have a relationship with this woman. Um, And it became obvious that maybe she did. I don't know. I was told afterwards that it was really, really obvious. (sighs) Go figure. How stupid can a man be? Um, Anyway, I used the place... um, I scooped out the basement, and with my friends, I made it into a rehearsal studio for the band I was in at the time. And there we were, playing away happily. Um, We didn't use the kitchen, though, because we were terrified of Rekka. She used to come up to people, and she would look at them very intensely. She would look, get right in their faces. And the phrase personal space wasn't around at the time. That's that's kind of how it felt. Anyway, we didn't use the kitchen. Um, Bereka, who worked full-time as a life model, felt that because she worked, we should do her washing up. But we weren't using the kitchen. So it kind of felt a little bit unfair. Anyway, one, one fine day after we'd spent a lot of time rehearsing and... Uh, there was a, a, a bang on the, the, in the hall outside my room. Rekka had flung her bike up the steps of the property, as she always did when she got home. Thought, okay, Rekka's back. Let's all stay really quiet. Perhaps she won't know we're in. Um, then there was a, 
a sound of something being deposited outside the door. I opened the door, and there was a bowl of washing up. So I took the washing up back upstairs to the kitchen and left it there. Half an hour later, there was another knock on the door. This time, I foolishly opened the door. It was a mistake, in retrospect, I, I see that. I see it was the wrong thing to do, but I opened the door. As I opened the door, Rekka stuck a carving knife in the front of my head, <laughs> such that it actually stood out, quivering like a cartoon. You can picture this, yeah, kind of. It was quite a big carving knife. So I didn't realize that that's what had happened. I thought she'd just struck me on the head. I didn't notice because there was a lot of adrenaline around. So I picked up a broom that was beside the door and pushed her out of the door with it <laughs> and locked the door again, stood back against it. I had two friends with me in the room at the time. <laughs> they weren't as calm about it because they could see that there was a knife sticking out of my head, still quivering, apparently. And I turned around to look at them, and they were... You might want to... See that? Just go and look in the mirror. So I did. Um, I went, oh, that's, that'll be all right. I pulled the knife out. You shouldn't do that. You bleed like a pig from your head. So suddenly, there's, there's too much blood, really. Um, I got it stitched up. Everything was all right. But Rekka could never understand why I moved out. <laughs> she could never get her... The last I ever heard of Rekka was when the place was finally closed down, when they, they had to demolish it. The only reason it had stayed up so long, this, this extraordinary house, was because it was next to a school, and they had to do some very special stuff in order to demolish it in a safe way. When the police finally moved in to evict Rekka, Apparently, she was hanging out of the, the attic window, shouting loudly, you'll never take me alive, coppers. <laughs> now, I know that Rekka had a full life. She did have friends. A lot of people knew her, and presumably quite a lot of people liked her. My experience with her, I think it falls under the general rule of sparks flying. <laughs> As I say, she never understood why I moved out. Thank you very much for listening. True Stories Live is a story show and story finding project brought to you by LJ Hope Productions, Norwich Arts Centre and me, Molly Naylor. For more information about all of the work that we do, head to our website truestorieslive.co.uk.